Hello, this call is being recorded. There you go. Wait. Talk recorded live. Hello, everyone. This is Robert Johnson, Let's Run.com co-founder, welcoming you to yet another edition of Let's Run's Track Talk, a special edition pre-London Marathon. Less than one week removed from a crazy, unpredictable Boston Marathon. The last time we talked to you last week, we had three straight shows from Boston. And of course, I wish I could say that we all predicted the wins by Yuki Kawaichi on the men's side and the historic victory by American Desi Linden on the women's side, the first women's victory by an American in over 30 years. But of course, no one could have predicted that, nor could no one have predicted, folks, the victory by Meb Kaplesky over Galen Rupp, the 42-year-old Meb Kaplesky finishing the race in three hours. Galen Rupp would up. Okay, that was a joke, guys. Because I know that people think that uh, I'm anti-NOP. Anyways, NOP Robert, is not wait. in London. The man in London is Jonathan Galt. John, welcome to the program. Good to be here, Robert. Yeah, it's uh, it's actually, I don't know if it's London or California I'm in right now because it's been 70s and sunny all week. I don't recognize this country. John, of course, is British-born. I don't think he was London-born, but um, he's over there in the warm weather in the, in the States. Many people are still having a terrible spring. And also on the line is what my co-founder, Weldon Johnson. Weldon, welcome to the show. Good to be here. I have to speak up, though. There is one guy who predicted that Des Linden and Yuki Kawuchi would win Boston. And that is Let's Run.com visitor Freddie Garcia, 39-year-old, married father of three from Kenosha, Wisconsin. He predicted in the Running Warehouse prediction contest that Des and Yuki would both win. I don't know if he's crazy or lucky, but we'll, we'll have that story up, uh, I guess, probably after London. Maybe we'll get it up beforehand. But that's a reminder, the London Running Warehouse London Marathon Prediction Contest is now up. Just give us your top three. It takes about three minutes. Hell, you can even, you know, just give lucky picks like Freddie Garcia or maybe he's a genius and you could come out on top. So enter now. Sorry about that, guys. I dropped out. I don't know why. Don't worry. You didn't miss much. Weldon was just uh, talking about the contest. So enter the Running Warehouse Prediction Contest if you haven't already. But let's get right into it, uh, folks. It's uh, I'm for this month. I'm Mr. Mom taking care of the baby. I put him down for a nap, and that's not going to last that long. Probably, um, you know, maximum of an hour and a half, and that was 30 minutes ago. So we got about an hour long show, hopefully. But what a fate! I mean, London, folks. We can talk about what is your favorite marathon, what is the best marathon. But there is no doubt in my mind that annually London is the most competitive marathon. The professional fields assembled both for the men's and women's races year in and year out are without a doubt the best in the world. And that's certainly true this case, uh, this year, yet again. I mean, uh, in both the men's and women's side, I think many people are, are sort of promoting these these two races as heavyweight fights. You've got Chiranesh Dababa, arguably the greatest women's distance runner in history, uh, our number one ranked marathoner in the world last year, against Mary Katani, arguably behind Paula Radcliffe. Well, you know, Paula's got some holes in her resume. Mary Cantani was certainly one of the greatest women's marathoner ever. They're going to battle it out against each other and put, and also potentially that Paula's 215-25 world record. And then on the men's side, you've got the greatest marathoner in history, Elliot Kipchoge, against the greatest distance runner in history, Kenenise Bekele. So those two, those four people alone would make this much-watched drama. And by focusing on them, it's a little bit easier, I think, for the public 
you know, just to have two names in their heads because it's hard to follow when there's 10, you know, studs mm-hmm. in these races. But the fields are so deep. I mean, the women's field features five of our top seven ranked women in the world from 2017. Number one, number two, number four, number six, and number seven. You've got four of the seven Abbott World Marathon major champions in the field from 2017. It is loaded from start to finish, from top to bottom. And you've even got a couple of Americans to make it interesting. Stephanie Bruce is in the field, uh, Becky Wade. And then on the men's side, you've got five of the top 10 in the world from 2017. Number two, number four, number seven, number eight, number 10. And of course, led by Kip Choge. But folks, I'm sure, I guess I'm debating what to start with, but most of our audience, uh, you know, I, I like to say it wasn't the case, but most of the audience is male. So we'll, let's start with the men. Um, Jonathan, you've spoken to Bakile. I, I, I feel like the big news coming in was we know that Kipchoge is going to be in shape. He's won nine of his last 10 marathons. There's no doubt that he is going to be a major, major factor. But it seems to me that, you know, you've been in London since Tuesday. Is the big news really that you've learned so far from being there that Bakile really seems to be in good shape and in good health? I mean, that's definitely important. And I think it's, that is the impression I got from speaking to Bekele. And I spoke to his manager, Yoss Hermans, as well. Yoss was very excited. Um, you know, he he seemed to think that Bekele, you know, he, he wouldn't put an exact number on the time or anything like that. But I think he felt excited that Bekele is ready to roll. And Bekele himself stressed that he had been injury-free in his buildup. And that has been a big thing. You know, the, that has been the thing, actually about whether he runs well in these marathons. Uh, you know, he's come in often saying he's banged up or that his training didn't go well or that he had some, you know, disaster in the race where he f- fell and got trampled in Dubai last year. And, you know, if he can stay on his feet, really that guy, no one is questioning his talent. You know, last year, Renato Canova said, I still think he has one of the best engines in the world. And I think that that's, you know, Everything seems to be good coming out of the Bekele camp. And again, you always take this with a grain of sand, a grain of salt at uh, any major marathon. You know, you never quite know. They're never going to say, oh, yeah, everything's been terrible. Or, you know, oh, yeah, I'm, I'm like 50%. I'm just going to try and give it a go here. That's not usually what you hear. But, yeah, the sense is definitely one of optimism around Bekele. And I do think if he's at his best, you know, we saw he ran 203.03 in Berlin in 2016. That's only six seconds off the world record. It's actually faster than Kipchoge's official PR. So I think he'll be in the mix, but I also think Kipchoge, if he runs his best race, could be well under the world record. So, uh, yeah, I, I'm very excited to see what Bekele can do. Great stuff. I have a question for everyone. Are you guys hearing the Twitter notifications? Like when my computer makes a Twitter notification, do you hear that or is it just me? Just you. Okay, thank God. <laughs> so, yeah, John, I mean, yeah, you're right in the sense that a lot of marathoners don't necessarily say, hey, I'm not in great shape. But I think one thing, you know, for Bikile, to his credit, in the past is he said, hey, you know, I'm only 80%, only 90%. And this time, you know, he didn't put a, a percentage on it, but he certainly, um, you know, sounded like he was 100% or, or, or something close to it and, and, had, and had a buildup. I mean, in my mind, Bikile has the biggest engine in history. And we need to remember that he's actually run a 203.03. That's faster than Kipchoge's sort of, you know, official marathon PR. So, uh, you know, I definitely don't think that he can be ruled out. Um, 
on that front. We haven't really broken down the entire field yet on Let's Run. That's coming, but we're going to reward you visitors for listening to the podcast live because soon after this showing, we will be publishing the Let's Run Marathon Women's Viewer's Guide and Let's Run.com's Men's Viewer's Guide where we take you through all of the fields because there's certainly a more than two men capable of winning on you know in, in this men's race. I mean, you've got Gai Adole, the greatest debutant ever, 203.46, put a real scare in, in Kipchoge last year. Abel Karui, the two-time world champion, he trains with Kipchoge. He's had some big things to say in the Kenyan press this week that, you know, hey, we're going to run together for 35K and then battle it out. So if you're keeping it close to, to, to Kipchoge for 35K, <laughs> that's pretty good. It means you've got a good shot. But it seems to me that the one you've got the defending champion, Daniel, Daniel Wanjiru of Kenya. You've also got uh, Tola Kitata of Ethiopia, who won in both Rome and Frankfurt last year. But um, I don't know. Someone who hasn't gotten a lot of press on Let's Run yet this weekend in the print, to me, and if he wins this race on Sunday, we're going to be talking about him as potentially the big thing in the marathon. 21-year-old Lawrence Chirono of Kenya. He set course records in Amsterdam and Honolulu last year. John, it seems like, to tell our viewers about him, it seems like he wins virtually every time he, he laces up at 26.2 miles races, 26.2. Yep. Yeah. Um, Lawrence Chirono is a guy is a big talent. You know, he course record in Amsterdam, no joke. Course record in Honolulu, lost two years. I mean, those, as I, I'm, you know, I have an article coming out uh, later today about sort of the other guys in the race. And really those are, those are like the triple a marathons of the world. You know, if the major leagues is the world marathon majors, those are triple a. And this is a guy who's essentially hitting about, you know, 400 and triple a right now. And he's ready to give the big leagues a shot. So I think I'm really excited to see what he, he can do in London. Uh, he's never run a major before, but you know, he, he's done pretty much everything you could hope to accomplish at the lower levels. And now it's time for him to mix it up with big boys. It is pretty amazing, you know, the fields that London gets. I mean, I, I don't know. I mean, we're going to get Big Haley. We're going to get Kuchoge. We have Adola. And then you got somebody like Lawrence Toronto just to top it off. And, oh, wait, the guy who won last year, Daniel Wenjuru. And, and Mo Farah. Mo Farah. Oh, wait, wait a second. We haven't even mentioned Mo. I'm actually very excited about Mo. I think he might, you know, really go for it in this. And, like, I'm sure if this was a British show, that'd be the first thing we're talking about. Um, but, I, you know, w when I was actually saying the list, I was going through the names and sort of skipping a few guys, you know, like uh, Tola Kitata, you know. Oh, he just won Rome and Frankfurt. That's it last year, you know, 205.50 guy. Um, you know, we get down to Mo Farah and he's number 13 on the list in terms of PB. And should we just go there now? I mean, John, what do you think Mo's going to do in terms of the pace? You know, if this is a world record attempt. I have a question about Toronto. We're listing him as 21 years old, but there's also, he's listed on Tillis Jopcha as 29, having races and race marathons in 2014. That can't be the same person, can it? John, do you have a media guy handy there? Uh, I got one and I immediately, well, I didn't, I wouldn't say lose it. Someone stole it from the press center. Like I left my media bag with like, they gave us a media guide and a notebook and a pullover. 
I put it next to my backpack and it was gone. So I don't have, I don't know exactly how old Lawrence Cherono is. My my understanding, I was going off Phyllis Depager. They had him as 29. That's what I thought. But uh, I don't know 100% for sure on his age. If you're listening and you know his age, please post it on the forum or on the chat box. That'll help us out. But yeah, let's talk about Mo Farah. I mean, it's crazy that we talked for several minutes in this race without talking about Mo Farah, the man who's absolutely dominated on the track, you know, for the last five, six plus years. He's making a second attempt at 26.2. He's got a new coach. He's being coached by Gary Law, Paula Ratko's husband. He's no longer with the Nike Oregon Project. Um, but it's kind of crazy that, I mean, last time when he ran, I think he, it was really hyped. His first marathon wasn't great. I think he was eighth in London in about, was it 207 high, John? We have John. John keeps chopping out. For Farah's debut? Correct. 208.21. 208.21. than you thought, Robert. Yeah, you know, and, and I think that Steve Jones' record is going to go, I mean, the, the one issue is it's going to be a little bit warm, mid-60s during the race. But, um, you know, I, I think that just because, I mean, everyone acts, I think in some in elite circles, people act like Farrah bombed that first marathon. I mean, 208 is nothing to be ashamed of. Um, I think he was torn as to what to do. You know, Salazar is very meticulous. He doesn't leave any stone untouched. He did not want Mo to go out in world record pace, which is reasonable. I mean, it's, you don't want to run, you want to run pretty even splits when you run a marathon. So, um, I get that. That's the smart thing to do. But I think someone like Farah, he's gotten, a, he has a championship mentality nowadays. I mean, he's not really going to want to go out slow. And this year he said he's probably going to go out with the leaders. And that way he'll, you know, I think mentally he's going to be much more engaged. I actually think that the hot weather could benefit him a little bit because 61 flat is kind of ridiculous. But if the leading, if the first half is 61.30, something like that, you know, that's much more reasonable for someone like Mo Farah. So, well, um, well yeah, let, let me, uh, let me hop in here for a minute for what I've heard on the pacing situation. I haven't, so they, I think the technical meeting is tomorrow, I believe, which it'll be totally ironed out, but you know, they've been taught, they'll either talk about the official, what they're going to be doing for the pacing either today or tomorrow. But from what I heard about Mo, you know, earlier in the week, this was before we knew the weather was going to be, you know, pretty hot and maybe cause things to be scaled back. I had heard 61 flat, for the leaders and 61.45 for Farah, um, which will be still be quite ambitious. And it's also, you know, you, you got to wonder if he's going out 61.45. I guess that's not that far away from 61 flat. flat. But uh, yeah, I don't know. Like, I don't know of anyone. If it, if that's true, and again, this is just sort of what I've heard floating around. I don't really understand that because. Anyone who's going to be going, anyone else who would be going out in 61.45 would probably just want to go out in 61 flat and might as well go out with the leaders. So I'm not sure exactly how it's going to play out. If I were, if I were Mo Farah, I would not go out with the leaders. And I wouldn't, I know he said, you know, on Tuesday in front of the press, yeah, if that's what the leaders are doing, why not go with them? But I think, I'm not, I'm not calling him a liar, but I'm saying, I think this, it's one thing to say it and sort of joking around like, hey, yeah, I want to win. You know, I'm going to go for it. It's quite another to see someone going out on, you know, a minute under world record pace and to feel good and go right with them. Well, there you have it. Hot sports opinion. Johnny Galt, as we call him now, calling Mo Farah a liar. Well, 
Um, no, just kidding. But uh, you know, for me, John, it, it's a it's a race. It's a spectacle. I I I personally think you don't judge the marathon by the finishing time of the person. Always, that sounds crazy. I mean, I guess that's how it's really judged. But you know, maybe in terms of how I can view the race or respect the race. I would love to see Fargo with the leaders. It just would make it such more a spectacle. Unless, you know, fine, if he goes out a little bit slower, but who's he running with at that point? He's got to have his own rabbits. He has to have another group. If he goes out in a second group and tries to make it interesting, okay, fine. Then I want the TV production to be set up that way, to be showing him, um, you know, but if he just goes out and mails it in and goes out in 103 hoping for a 206, like, why is he in in this race? Why are they paying him the big bucks? Well, um, I, I I see what you're saying. I mean, it's not compelling when he's minutes behind, but I think he could win this race if he goes out a minute behind these guys. I mean, as good. I am very, very, very excited about this race. Even debating getting up. It's at what 10 a.m. local time, John. So that's 5 a.m. here. So maybe the baby will wake me up anyways, and I'll watch it. I'm not. I used to get up for Ryan Hall in London, um, but I kind of need to sleep since I've been taking care of the baby during the week. But um, I am so excited about it, but I don't think that the world, I think the world record talk can stop. And I mean, barring some meteorological change in the next, you know, day and a half, because looking at the forecast, 10 a.m., 64 degrees and sunny, 11 a.m., 66, 12 a.m., 68. That's just, and the wind is going to be from the southwest at nine to 11 miles per hour. This course runs, you know, it is record eligible, but it, there is, it starts a little bit about five or six miles more east than it does west. So there's going to be more wind into their face than behind them. So I think the temperature is too warm. I don't think Kipchoge is going to run 202 flat in this weather. If if Farah, depending on the rabbit situation, I mean, London has so much money, it'll be interesting. I mean, do they have, to do this right, you would need like, 15 rabbits. You would need two or three rabbits for each of the for Katani, two or three for Dababa in case she doesn't want to go quite with Katani. And then you're going to need three or four, you know, for the rest of the women. So maybe even more if there's two two groups. So that, you know, you probably need two, two. You need eight rabbits for the women. And then for the men, if Farah's going to have his own group at that pace, I mean, you may need two more than two just to make sure someone gets it right. So you're going to have, you know, Three or four for the lead group, probably two for Farah at least. And then there's going to be like a 208 or 210 group. You know, I mean, you're going to have close to 20 rabbits. The amount of money they must, I bet they spend $100,000 in rabbits. It's amazing. So I've always thought, you know, Farah in the, in the track, he doesn't waste energy. He just, if there's a big break, he slowly catches up. It's fascinating to me if he gets dropped early, but then recatches that group, watch out. I mean, I really think that he could do it if, you know, the top, if Kipchoge and Bikile are stupid, in my mind, and go for the world record. I mean, 61.45 is certainly well under course record pace in London. If he runs the course record on, on, on Sunday, I virtually guarantee you that he's going to win, win this race. Robert, that's just, just, to, just to clarify, the course record is 203.05, so that's still above, 61.45 is above course record pace. Oh, that's true. I forgot there. <laughs> okay, so and there is a couple things that are crazy, right? I think the people forget. Everyone's like, "Oh, Berlin's so fast." Kipchoge ran two hundred three hundred five on this course, and he might have had the world record if he didn't get, you know, get into a battle, you know, thinking about trying to win the race. And then also, I, I don't know. Like, I sort of, 
oh, but KOA's been sort of disappointing as a marathoner. Oh, wait, he ran 2.03.03 in Berlin. I mean, sort of, somehow we forget about that race, but, you know, you've got... People can run very fast here in London and then throw Mofar on top of it and Gaiadola and, you know, it's just going to be... It's uh, This has to be... The, uh, you, this has said so much about London, but... Let's maybe stop a second and think, you know, is this is this the greatest non-championship marathon ever? Greatest field assembled? I think when you go between men's and women's combined, I think you could say yes. I do know in recent years there have been some fantastic showdowns. You know, remember in 2015 London Marathon, you had Kimedo coming off the world record. You had Kipchoge coming off a win in Chicago. And you had Kip Sang coming off a win in New York. So you had the three major champions from the fall. All of them were total studs. All of them ran well. Like we didn't even know Kipchoge was the goat at that point. But you know, the battle. I think a lot of people were saying was it between Komedo and Kipsang, and Kipchoge ended up beating both of them. So that was that was a legendary race, and they went one, two, three in that. So that maybe individual fields that might have been better. But for between men's and women's, with the clashes at the top and the depth and Farrer and everything, you know. The, I think combined, it's probably the strongest. You're just joining us. This is Let's Run.com's pre-London Marathon version of Track Talk. This is Let's Run.com co-founder Robert Johnson, joined by with Weldon Johnson and Jonathan Galt, who is in London for us. Um, looks like a few callers are complaining they're having trouble calling in and listening to the program. We actually may take some guests. Um, so... If if anyone can if anyone has called in is able to hear the, the broadcast, please type in the chat box. I know you can hear on the player, the TalkShoe player, if that's not working. But we're since John's in London, we've been all remotely dialing in, so on the computer. So, um, guest number twenty-seven is on his work at his computer, so he can't download. He's weird. It's like he's responding to what I'm saying. Um, are you reading uh, that? Which chat box are you reading, Aaron? The TalkShoe chat box. Interesting. So, well, if you're not listening live, the podcast will be up shortly after the uh, the broadcast. So, yeah, I mean, I, I don't. I think that there's probably been, I mean, debating which is the strongest London Marathon is, is kind of crazy, but um, it's it, it's really remarkable. One of the things that um, really struck me, I, I went back getting ready for this show and um, was reading the London Marathon Elite Fields back the message board thread from March 28th when the fields were announced. And there was some really good analysis, I thought, at the time. And one of them came from famed Let's Run poster regular El Keneno, the Kenyan. And I really liked what he said. He said, Brendan Karaoke, he, you know, remember, we haven't even mentioned his name yet, folks. This is how good the field is. He ran 58-40-something at the RAK half. Um, he's in this field. He says, Karaoke was beaten handily in Fukuoka. Udoa would be the definite threat. But then he says about Bakile, I don't think Bakile will ever show up unprepared again after the scolding he got from Hermans last year. He'll run on the proverbial pure hate. I think Elliot has had an unmatchable run and is finally due his first loss in years. I'm just not sure if, if the winner will be a Dola, Bakile, or a dark horse like Lawrence Torino. I'll be rooting for Toronto, of course. No world records, by the way. I think that post written almost a month ago is dead on. And that's kind of what I'm feeling. I'm kind of feeling like a Kipchoge upset. I want to see the betting odds. 
Um, I mean, if you're betting the field versus Kipchoge, he's the only guy in the world I think it's worth normally saying him. But this time, I think El Canino could really be on it. I thought that was some really good insight. And Jonathan Galt, if Bikili wins, people, some people are going to give you credit for, for motivating him in the sense of, you know, agent an agent like Josh Hermans, in case you aren't familiar with what we're talking about, last fall, John called age, Hermans up after Berlin, and, and, and Hermans had some choice words about Bikili's preparations. He said Bikili needs to be more professional in his buildup if he's ever going to be a great marathoner. And Bikili wasn't like happy about that. He said he was dismayed by the comments. But let there be no doubt about it. Herman just didn't say this. He said this on purpose. He wanted Bikile to hear that. He wanted Bikile to get mad. He wanted Bikile to get motivated. It reminds me of something that I was told in my first week on the job when I was coaching at Cornell University. And my boss, Nathan Taylor, told me, hey, if they have to hate you to be motivated, that's fine with me. And I was like, what? He's like, don't be afraid to piss them off. And I was really stunned. I never did coach that way. I, I didn't want the kids to hate me. but if you're really trying to manipulate someone psychologically, you know, sometimes, you know, people when they are mad is when they're most motivated. So, John, um, you said Bikile and Herman looked like they're getting along pretty well, but, um, you know, will you be taking credit if Bikile wins on Sunday? No, I'm not going to take credit if the greatest runner of all time wins the London Marathon. I think that's silly. I mean, look, maybe he did need a kick in the pants, but, uh, you know, he's, he's super talented, I think. You know, and I can't speak to the effort he's been putting in on the ground, but I think it, it can also get frustrating when, when you are the best ever and you're not performing at the ability level that you want to and you're not being able to train at the level that you want to. Uh, that can be really frustrating, I'm sure. And he's, you know, suffering through, not know, he's knowing he's not 100%. It's, there's been very few times since 2009 when he won his last world title he's really been 100 percent. so you know i think if he can get back to that level you know that that's going to be what what gets him to uh to to a london marathon title and not you know it does maybe it helps motivate him a little bit but i'm not I'm, i wouldn't take any any credit for that at all i would say um and one one other thing you mentioned the bending odds uh Something I'm very disappointed in. There are two different betting shops that I've walked by from my route from my hotel to the Meat Hotel, and neither of them were offering London Marathon odds, which I just find is, you know, they have you can bet on all the American sports. You can bet on there are sports I've never heard of listed there. There's some sort of I don't I don't even know. I can't even remember, but they were like just ridiculous things that you can bet on. But the biggest sporting event, well, I guess the biggest sporting event in London this year, this weekend actually would probably be the FA Cup semifinals if you ask the Londoner. But one of the biggest sporting events in London uh, this year, London Marathon, can't even get betting odds on, on it in a betting shop in London. I just think that's uh, pretty shameful. John, hey, it's good. I found know, him. I found him as well. And last year in London, you know, we could bet at the World Championships, but I assume just having been in London last year, probably walking by a William Hill or a Ladbrokes. And I went into Ladbrokes and Paddy Power. Neither of them had them listed. Paddy Power, according to oddschecker.com, has bet, has, uh, you know, London Marathon betting. So maybe go back to Paddy Power. Oh my Power. God. John, I'm going to wire you a thousand yeah, pounds. John, without telling us the odds, um, we're not going to tell you the odds. Like, let's sort of go, what sort of odds do you think Kinesa Bikili is getting to win this race? 
No, you gotta stop with Kipchoge. Okay, Kipchoge. What do you think Kipchoge's odds are? One to one. What'd you say? One to one. Well, no, let's just let's go. Let's have let's ask five. Let's ask the top five, and then we'll tell you what they are. What about okay. Kele? Kele, I'll say he's uh, I want to uh, between. I'm trying to think. Let's say five to two. Karaoke, karaoke. They think karaoke. So is he, is this does this mean he's got the third best odds? Correct. Uh, eight to one. Wanjiru. That's kind of an insult to Wanjiru. Defending champ and Kuroki is ranked ahead of him. Uh, I'll say nine to one for Wanjiru. That's what Bet365 has, John. Very good. And Gaya Adola. Well, his odds are Adola has greatly... longer odds than all of these. Wow. Um, Adola, let's say uh, 11 to one. Okay. Well, first of all, John, they have Kipchoge is a much bigger favorite than what you have. They have him at four to seven. So basically, you have to he'd oh, have wow. to win this he'd have to win this race what two out of three times? Is that right? Make money? Yeah, so, I don't know. That's that's pretty heavy for a marathon. For anyone in a marathon, that's pretty heavy odds. And. For the other ones, this is the big money. They've got Bakile. I think you said he should be what three to one. He's six to one, five to one. I think that's decent money. I mean, those are decent odds there. I mean, I, I think he should be about three to one. Well, there's six guys in the field though. And then Karaoke is the third favorite at nine or ten to one, depending on the website. Daniel Wenjuru, nine to twelve, seven. So it's anywhere from seven to one to twelve to one. It varies a lot. Gaio Odole anywhere from six and a half to fourteen to one. Then Mo Fair would be twelve to one. Most sites, some have him eight to one. But Lawrence Toronto, to me, the money, the jump, the 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 value that jumps up. You're looking for value as a better folks. Let's run.com's value picks of the week. Kennedy say Bikile is six to one. That's money. And then Lawrence Toronto at fifty to one on Skybet. Fifty to one? Oh, throw some money one. on that. Oh my God! A bet for thirty-three to one, so you can get him at thirty-three to one. That's the best odds. If you can find him at Skybet at fifty to one, I mean, this is a guy that's won everything. By the way, he is twenty-nine according to the IAAF. But these are his last. He ran. He's run seven marathons in Italy. This. Oh my God! He's actually run ten marathons since the start of twenty fifteen. He didn't really get good until twenty sixteen, though. But he's gone second in Hong Kong. First in Prague, second in, in Hong Shui, first in Honolulu, and then last year, second in Rotterdam, first in Amsterdam, first in Honolulu. And you ran 206.21, 205.09, 208.27 last year. I mean, I'll take those at 40 to 1. My goodness. Yeah. So on the women's side, moving to the odds, we haven't talked about the women's race. Well, let's, let's well, actually, we'll talk about the women's odds when we get to the women's race. But, um, John, I mean, th- those are kind of crazy, right? One but thing... we're talking about odds. I'll give you guys a snapshot of the running warehouse prediction contest votes as we stand. Um, they're only picking four people to win the race so far. I mean, the voting's only been open for about 12 hours, but we got 80% picking Kipchoge, 80.5. The KOA's coming in at 16.1. Adola at 2.5. Karaoke at 0.8%. 
Um, nobody's picked Mo Farah yet, which is crazy. I mean, once we get more votes, we should get some people voting. Um, but maybe not. You know, the is weather's not that. Is it really that crazy that no one's picking him to win in a field this good? I don't know, John. People were picking Yuki Kauchi and Des Linden to win the Boston Marathon. So. Well, they've won, though. I know, but I'm saying what, like give me a situation I guess is Robert situation give me a situation when Mo Farah wins. As Robert said, they go out the first guys go out to cook it too hard and Farah hangs on for the win. Alright. Well you're assuming that he's gonna be hanging back then. The first three he go out too cook it too fast. Yeah, you're right. It's gonna be hard to actually to get in the top five. Um Woman's woman's side, there's some opportunity for some betting there because they both could cook it too hard. But and Kata- one thing we haven't talked about on the men's side, let's talk about the male from America, folks. Sam Jalenga. He used to be a Galen Rupp Slayer in college. Hasn't done a whole lot as a pro, but seems to have been rejuvenized in recent years. John, you got a chance to talk to him. What are his goals for the race? Um, I think his PR, you know, it's certainly over 210, isn't it? Um, 215. He's only run one, um, only finished one marathon. Oh yeah. man, you guys haven't seen my interview with him yet. I haven't Damn. seen the interview but before. I, I'm going to predict this. He definitely, this guy just ran 60 low, or 60, under 61 minutes, 60 40, I think, or something in Houston. John can give us all the details. But in my mind, folks, this is something for American fans to be excited about. There's only been 18 men that have ever broken 210 from the United States of America. I think Chilanga can definitely do that. And folks, 210? I mean, come on. He's like better than that. There's only been nine Americans to break 209 flat. And most of those actually were not born in this country, like Chilanga. And I think that he's, he could do that. He could be one of the eight or nine fastest Americans joining Ryan Hall, Khalid Kanuchi, Dathe Ritzenheim, Meb Kapleski, Bob Bob Kempinen, Alberto Salazar, Dick Beardsley, and Abdi Draman as an American under the 209 range. So, John, tell us about what he said in your interview. Yeah, so Sam, he first of all, you know, he ran sixty thirty seven in Houston in January, which is a you know a very strong time. He was happy with that. He's actually, he said, I didn't realize how fast I was going until I got you know about ten seconds out from the finish line. I saw the clock and I was like, oh man, that's pretty good. So that was obviously a strong one, but that was really before we started the meat of his build up. And he actually he ran some pretty good prep races uh, even during the middle of the build up. One was. Uh, he got second at the U.S. 15K champs, and they went to the World Half Champs, and he ran a solid effort there as well. He got 14th place in, uh, I think, about 61 mid, which, you know, given the windy conditions, uh, that, that was a pretty good showing as well, and that was also during marathon training. So, you know, he, he was happy. He, he knows his speed is pretty good. I think the question mark with him is can he make it, you know, all the way to the finish line still holding on to that pace? because. In Chicago, he was with the leaders for a long time, but then he sort of hit the wall at 35K. His last 5K from 35K to 40K was over 17 minutes. So if he doesn't fall off late, you know, I think he's capable of something very good. But he told me, I asked him, you know, you're not going to go out with the world record, guys. Who are you going to go out with? It's like, well, ideally, I'd like to go out somewhere in the 63, 64-minute range for the first half. But he said uh, he wouldn't mind you know, if 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 there, there's no one going at that pace and the, the second group ends up going out at like 62.30, that, he'd be willing to go with that. He said 62.30 was the fastest he'd go out. But if it's a choice between that and running alone, that's what he would do. And I thought that was very bold. He said, 
you know, he'd probably try to get halfway with them and then he'd probably try to slow it down a little bit in the second half, which is an interesting approach to the marathon. But this guy, you know, he's been talking for before Chicago how he wants to be be a great guy in the marathon and run low two oh you know, two oh something. So uh very bold of him today. It is interesting how it's sort of feel like there's been very little talk of him running London sort of I don't know his other marathons you know is it only one John or did he drop out yeah he, well he ran the, he ran the Olympic trials in 2016 but I think he kind of that was more of a Hail Mary and like giving him another shot to try to make the team he, he told me today he just thinks of that as a long tempo run and not really a marathon yeah because I think maybe for that one I had better expectations and it you know went so poorly and what he's done in the past, but you know, he's starting to make a name for himself as a half marathoner and it sounds like he's got the right mindset. Um, you know, America needs a another let's say another two oh six guy, but Galen Rupp, still two oh nine. So we you know, we need a two oh six guy. Then we can worry about getting a two oh three guy. How about get a 208 guy or two, another 209 guy at this point? I mean, America, no, Ruff's the only American since since Meb won Boston. I think Ruff's the only other guy on 210. So that's, you know. I mean, that's not even a mile and a half within within the world record. It's amazing. Ruff is very good. But we, just a shout out. Thank you, Shailene Flanagan. Thank you, Des Linden. Thank you for being winning. You know, as a homer, we, we need some hometown people to cheer for and yeah Des, thank you as well from a personal standpoint monday the most paid jews ever in let's run.com history thank you des london really monday was Work wow days are, monday events are always good like even ncaa cross countries back in the day when they used to be on monday of a lot course. of people are at work they're bored they don't want to work um, used to be the best i'm demanding that the ncaa put it back on a monday because it's really the perfect thing for the internet i mean nowadays people watch everything on tv so they don't have to go to Let's Run as much as they used to, like 15, 20 years ago when nothing was on TV and they would go to the forum just to get an update on what was going on. So I, we love it when there's races in the middle of the day on Mondays. So we've talked a lot about the men. We've only got about 20 minutes left. Let's turn our attention to the women. Obviously, Mary Katani versus Ternesh Dababa is taking all the spots, taking most, sucking all the air out of most of the press. But um, there's certainly another, uh, quite a few other people capable of winning, particularly if Katania and Dababa blow up in the heat. Um, you've got Gladys Chirono of Kenya, 219.25 PB, two-time Berlin champ. You've got Murray Dababa, another 219 performer, 2015 world champ, 2016 Olympic bronze medalist. Um, she was only eighth in the world though last year. Bridget Koskai, 220.22. Um, she is really sort of someone that I really think has a good shot at the two, top two falter. I mean, she's got huge potential. Second to the Bible last year in that 220. And then she ran a course record 222 in Honolulu. Welcome to and also show. comes in in good shape because she's run um, 66.49 at the RAK half coming into this. Then you've got Tizzy's Tufa, 221.52. And Tadel Bekele of 221.54. And then don't forget Rose Chalimo of Bahrain, who was the world champion in her last trip to... Um, through London, but um, and one, really, only one other person capable of winning the race, Vivian Chariot, Olympic champion on the track. She won Frankfurt in October, 223.35. So 
those are the one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, nine women, all with sub 224 PBs, all um, very proven. You know, we talk about potential winners. They all could be the potential winners. And then after that, there's a six-minute gap to Stephanie Bruce of the U.S., who we'll be talking about, and actually Becky Wade of the U.S., the 10th and 11th seeds at 229 and 230. So, John, but besides the big two, um, sort of have you picked up any insight from, from, from any of these other five or six women from Kenya and Ethiopia? Well, let, let's chill on the potential winners. I think really, to be honest, You've got Dababa and Katani, and you've got everyone else. And the only way that one of those two loses is if there's some, you know, they really just totally blow out going to the world record. And that is possible. But I think assuming one of them can hold on, that's really in well, between those that, two. I don't think anyone's going to catch them. Um, but the other women, you know, they didn't make, so they made Toronto and. Tigas Tufa and, Gla- and uh, Vivian Chariot What's going on here? And we're getting a bit of an echo, it sounds like. Um, so yeah, they didn't make... A ton, of, you know, I didn't get a ton of insight from those other women. It was made because it was everything's mainly focused around Katani and Dababa. I do think that Vivian Chariot seems like she, uh, you know, she's progressed nicely. I think in the marathon, her first marathon was in London last year, and she ran 2:23. Tough way to do it too. She went out in 67:42 and then hung on uh, bravely to run that. That was her first marathon. She didn't go out really hard like that. So that was pretty impressive to hang on to get fourth, and then she won Frankfurt. Um, seems like she seems pretty happy with how things are going, even though she was forced to drop out of her tune-up half marathon at the New York City half. Uh, it sounds like she has the same sort of thing as Galen Rupp, asthma that is, you know, really exacerbated in the cold, and it was pretty cold in New York City this year. So she's one to watch, I think. Um, and like you said, Kozagai, Robert, you know, I haven't been able to talk to, I think her agent's Federica Rosa. Uh, I haven't been able to talk to her or to him, but given her results, I mean, she broke the course record in Honolulu by five minutes. She ran 2.22, and that was not an easy course. Um, it's, you know, pretty hilly. It can often be hot. So to run 2.22 there, very impressive. I guess the one concern, you know, she ran... Chicago in the fall, uh, and Boston last spring, and then Honolulu in December. So this is going to be her fourth marathon in the last, you know, 12 months. That's that's tough to to, to consistently perform, perform at a very high level like that. It's going to be difficult. But, yeah, she was second. Uh, and her time in Chicago was also amazing. She ran 220-something, which the only women who have run faster – uh, since Paula Radcliffe's world record was Rhea Jetsu, who's a doper, as we know, and Tunis Dababa in the race last year. So, yeah, Cosguy is someone who can really mix things up. I'm afraid I can't really offer any extra insight on her prep, but I, I think she's certainly one to watch. But I really, the only way any of those women win is if Catania or Dababa blows up. Mm. Uh, John, thanks for the analysis. Unfortunately, I think a lot of it was 
lost because there was a lot of echo. I had to kick Weldon off the broadcast. I think he was trying to fix something for the people trying to call in, but uh, there was terrible echo, so I finally... Do you hear it now? No, it's no longer there, but I think you were... I know what you're trying to do, and it doesn't work. You have to mute it, but anyways, um, I've done that in the past. But... um. So, John, give us a 30-second cliff note version of, of what you were just saying. Uh, yeah, mainly, you know, I don't think – I think the only way that DeBarba or Katani, that one of them doesn't win is if they totally overcook it and just wound up totally blowing up. I think Cosguy has run historically fast times in Chicago and Honolulu, her last two races. You know, course record by five minutes in Honolulu, only Jeff two and uh, – and DeBarba have gone faster in Chicago since Paula Radcliffe's world record. So that makes it dangerous. And Vivian Cheria, I think, is going to be pretty prepared. It's her third marathon. She's going to be ready for it. She said she's all in on the marathon. No more track races for her. And she's a you know huge talent. She won five global titles on the track. So uh, those are the women I would highlight, I would say. Vice Toronto, too. Don't forget her. She's run 219. 25, I think. Yeah, and she could go faster than that. I think her prep's similar to what it was when she ran that in Berlin 2015. So um, she she's a pretty big talent as well. Yeah, it's kind of interesting, you know, about who the potential winners are. I mean, particularly given what happened happened last week in Boston. I mean, I think there was a lot of flack before the race, sort of. I think we narrowed it down the women's field to five women that had a chance, a greater than 5% chance of winning. And we, and we sort of took Desi Linden out of that list. I think we originally were going to have eight women that could win. Desi being one of them, but we thought her odds were less than 5%. And then some people were saying, you know, the big four of America and Lyndon Hall, um, Flanagan, and, and uh, I mean, Lyndon Huddle, Flanagan, and, and um, Hesse, that, uh, you know, Lyndon didn't belong in that category, and it should be the big three. And then Lyndon ended up winning the race. But, you know, moving forward, you know, I, I think that, I think that they could run that race. I think that Lyndon's chances were certainly less than 5% to win that race. Um, you know, I'm wondering what they were. I mean, you got to think, like, what are the odds of getting that weather? Even hot weather, I think, you know, I just think a lot of people in Boston, like, their body just literally shut down, and they couldn't even get to the finish line. Sometimes you see the same thing in hot weather, but I think that um, – I don't know. The hot weather might be a little bit more predictable because people are at least are at least used to running in hot weather compared to the cold. So it's going to be a little bit warm, you know, mid sixties. Though we're not talking though heat wave. We're not talking unbearable. So you know, don't let the the press reports fool you. It may be the hottest marathon in London marathon history, but that <laughs> that's not saying much because it's normally pretty cool in London this time of year. So um, should be really interesting on the women's side. Now, John, we've got two Americans in there. As elite athletes, and Becky Wade, two thirty forty one PB. It's interesting to note that um, you know Becky in college. Um, I, I was looking up the uh, stats of um, of uh, the Boston Marathon runner-up, um, Sarah. John, what's the last name? Silverman. Sarah Sellers. Sellers. Excuse me. Yeah, Sarah Sellers, and Sarah missed the NCAs by one spot. Um, her senior year on the track in the 10,000, she was 13th when 12 qualify. And just finishing a few spots ahead of her was Becky Wade. And, you know, Becky is 2.30 performer. And I think that Sarah thought that she could run close to 2.30 on an ideal day. You know, so that doesn't shock me. I think that she's certainly sort of the same caliber of athlete as Becky. Um, so Becky probably boosts, you know, has a, has a 
probably thinking, hey, I used to beat Sarah. She was just second in, in, um, in Boston, so we've got to give her some confidence. But she and Stephanie Bruce, who's got a 229 PR, are both in this field. John, I know you spoke to Stephanie. Um, sounds like she's pretty confident in the way things have gone, huh? Yeah. Um, the thing with her is, you know, she lost a couple – she lost a big chunk of her prime because she gave birth to her first son in 2014 and then a second son in 2015. So really that was a you know pretty big break she had in the middle of her career. And what she's been stressing is for a marathon, it's not just about your buildup, it's about you know the 12 months before your buildup as well and what you've put together. And she has you know gradually been putting, getting better and better. You know, last year she had a pretty good run at the World Cross Champs in Uganda. Uh, I, I wanna say that she was uh, the top non-African born finisher or, or very close to it. So. You know, you, and she's continued to build on that. She got 10th in New York last fall, which is a good result in a major. And I think now she's finally, you know, built back up to the point where she's ready to lower her PR uh, from that 229 from Houston in 2011. And, you know, she's happy with the training, how it's gone. She's happy with her results. You know, you look, she was third at U.S. Cross in February behind a couple of, you know, women who were pretty much 10 day specialists, Molly Seidel and... Emily Infeld, and to finish third in that field is pretty good. You know, Steph was telling me uh, today, she's like, yeah, I crossed the finish line, and Molly looks back at me, and she's like, wait, who are you, Steph? Like, what are you doing here? And she was like, yeah, you know, I used to be a pretty good runner. I, I guess I still am, you know. So uh, they're, her and her coach, Ben Rosario, I didn't talk to Ben, but I, I've seen some of his writings on Steph, and he's excited. I think you know, they're going for a PR effort. I think they, and I think she's definitely capable of running a PR and what she really hopes, you know, I think she's hoping some of these women overcook it up front because she knows uh, if they go out too fast like they did last year, she's going to be able to reel some people in. And that's, I think Laura Thweet did something similar. Uh, Laura Thweet ran very well in London last year, um, picking up some of the carnage of the women ahead of us who went out too fast. It's pretty interesting. I mean, we talked about the big two really sort of, you know, being the ones to beat. If you look at the betting odds, Mary Gattini is 11 to 10 favorite. There's only three betting shops in Britain that even offer women's odds. Betfair, Paddy Power, and Betway. 11 to 10 for Mary Gattini. Oh, and by the way, I did look up Kachoge. He basically has to win at 65% of the time. Um, that's the implied probability on his odds. So um, 11 to 10 for, for Katani is a 47.6 implied probability. Then Tiranesh Dababa at 6 to 4. So, you know, those two are basically, you know, it's a 40% um, implied probability for the win. So those two are getting, you know, all the love from, from the bookmakers. Then it's Vivian Sherry at 7 to 1. Mary Dababa at 17 to 1. Gladys Tiranesh 17 to 1. And then everyone else in the field is at least 90 to 1. Bridget Koskai, Rose Chalimo. Tadalech, Bekele, Tijis Tufa. I mean, 90 to 1? I mean, wouldn't that be worth a dollar or two? So yeah, it's kind of crazy. Probably five, for $5 on Brigitte Cosguy at 90 to 1, that's, you know, I don't think that's a waste of money. You're getting $450 back if she wins. Yeah, I mean, for all we know, Katani or Dababa could get food poisoning or get their period as happened to Katani. And, you know, it, it doesn't take much. You need to be on your game. Even if someone as good as Katani, you know, if she's off her game a little bit, someone who, you know, these other women are 220 performers, they can beat her. It's just sort of like, you know, 
like Shailene Flanagan in New York. I mean, the difference between a 220 and a 218 is like five seconds a mile. So if you're not at 100%, you're certainly going to be, be vulnerable on, on that front. Um, so it should be a fantastic race on Sunday. Again, the women start at 9.15. Unlike the other ma- – first of all, London folks, if you're an Abbott World Marathon major, if you work for one of these races in any capacity, please realize London does everything almost perfectly. In addition to getting the fields perfectly, they also do the press conferences in a very great way for the media. They started on Tuesday. Then they had Mofair on Tuesday. Wednesday was the women. Thursday was the elite man. I think today is some Brits. It goes on for a week. In, in Boston, what do they do? They put everybody into a room and expect you to talk to them in the span of 60 to 90 minutes. It's crazy. At least have two days of media. But more importantly, when they start the races, London, in Boston last weekend, the, women, the men's race started finished like five minutes after the women's race. That is crazy. Do you think that an NBA playoff game would ever end within five minutes of another NBA playoff game, like a, a key playoff game? Of course not. They stagger these things out. In London, they at least start the races 45 minutes apart. That's not enough. They should start the men first and start them an hour ahead. Now I'm hearing my own echo again. Anyways, um, but it's my pet peeve. So they, they will start 45 minutes apart. But um, any parting comments, guys? I want to wrap this up in the next two or three minutes. Well then. Yeah, it is sort of crazy how on the women's side, nobody thinks one of the two big two can't win. But in the prediction contest, it's the sort of same way as the betting odds. As of now, not a single person's picked somebody besides Katani or Dababa. Katani coming in at 73.7%. Dababa at 26.3%. They easily could both blow up. Look at look at um, New York last year. You know, sort of, it was viewed as Katani versus uh, Edna Kipogat. And Kipogat may not have had her best day. Shalene Flanagan had her best day. And Katani blew up. And look who your winner was. So especially if they're going out at that pace, you know, let's say they even fade and run 218. The rest of this field is good enough, you know, that somebody in it could conceivably do that. So, oh, I don't think so. Not in 60, maybe 60 degree weather. Fine. Well, I they're not going to run 215 in 60 degree. If it's too hot, then if they go out at 215, they might suffer even worse and run 220. I don't think, I don't know, unless you think both these women are guaranteed Paula Radcliffe types and four to five minutes faster than everybody else. Um, you know, it should be interesting. Yes, one of them should win. Um, you guys have sort of got me on the weather. Probably too hot for a world record. But 60s doesn't seem that bad to me. But with the sun, that sort of thing. It depends if the sun's out. You know, weather.com is saying mostly sunny. It's actually seeing sunny at 10. I think there's a big difference between 65 and sun and 67. Yeah, it's huge. Temperature is officially measured in the shade, so 65 and sun add 10 or 15 degrees probably to what it feels like. Um, so I'll have to change my picks. I didn't think they'd get the world record anyway. I thought maybe we might see up a 215 high. Uh, I thought the world record would probably go on the men's side, actually. You know, people said it couldn't be done at London, but Kipchoge's almost done it before. And I'm just really excited to see Kinesi Bikila back saying he's healthy. Um, versus these other guys and you know what's mofar gonna do it's gonna be a great spectacle a great run and 
John, I'm jealous that you're there. Yeah, no, I'm glad you guys decided to fly me out. It's been great. You know, the weather's fantastic. The uh, access has been very good. The media, whole media setup here in London is top notch. They do, they do a great job. And I would say one thing I think is worth noting is just the blow up potential. Look, if one of them, if one of the top women blows up, I think the odds are fairly decent that the other one blows up too, just because, you know, it means that they're going at a pace that, if it's a pace that it's fast enough for one of the two to blow up, I don't think Katani is that much better than Dababa or vice versa, that the other one won't be feeling it as well. So I think it's sort of a thing like, you know, some mutually assured destruction, like the the Cold War and, uh, you know, the 80s or whatever, or the 60s. If, you know, if one of them, I just think it's possible, you know, the odds are a lot higher if one blows up than the other blows up as well. I agree with you. They're highly correlated. Um, should be interesting. So, all right, guys, let's end with some predictions here. Um, I'll start. We have to pick a men's winner, a women's winner, and then you need to give a Mo Fair prediction. Um, at minimum, you have to ask whether up, uh, higher or lower than 207.00. And um, obviously, if there will be any world records. I will go first. Um, on, the men, on the women's side, I, I think that the world record talk is absurd. I don't think that they would break the world. I think they could approach the world record in ideal conditions, but we're not even close to ideal conditions. Um, too windy, much windier than normal for London, even too hot. So th that's not going to happen. Um, and I am going to predict, I don't know. I think I'm going to pick who I want to win as a journalist. You're not supposed to want anything, but I'm going for the big day with Ethiopia. So turn us to Baba folks. Remember we ranked her number one in the world last year. I'm going to Baba for the win, no world record. Jonathan, your women's pick, please. Katani for the win. Uh, you know, she's she's the best marathoner since Radcliffe. Dababa might surpass her in the you know as soon as on Sunday, but for now, I, I like going with history and with you know I don't like betting against all-time greats, so I guess I have to do it in this case because Dababa is also an all-time great. But yeah, Katani, no world record. I just think two fifteen twenty-five is too difficult. Well done. Um. Yeah, I think Katani's too good if she's on. She's going to win, not get the world record. Okay, folks. Maybe we might, see a, we might see, a, see a 216. Two Katani's, one Dababa. And your budget pick, folks, the Let's Run.com official long shot pick of the mate, Bridget, close guy. 90 to 1, that's a bargain. She's a 220 performer. Definitely worth a pound or two if you can get to the biting shops. Now, on the men's side, I am. One, I am going to do something really, really stupid, but I'm going with Pekile. Uh, betting against Kipchoge is absolutely stupid, but I, I want to see something different. Um, it would just be magnificent for the sport to see this guy back on top. What a champion in the past! He's been through so much. People have written him off. You know, I, I love uh, when I root for sports. Is weird. I root for contrasting things. I love dynasties, so I loved when Mike Tyson was un, uh, unbeatable. Um, I like the Patriots because they're so good every year, but I also love the underdog. And this, and this time we can balance both. Um, Kipchoge is was a dynasty, and now he's the underdog. So I'm going with Kipchoge. I'm mean, excuse me, Bikile for the win. And in terms of Mo Farah, my prediction, uh, I was definitely going to say under 207. I, I don't see why he wouldn't do that. Um, with the heat, though, I'm a little bit worried about that. Um, I let's just put it this way: he's certainly going to finish higher than eighth, is what he did last time. 
I think he's going to run a good race. Um, under 207. So I think he'll, let's put it this way. So that'd be like a 206.30 if it wins 2.30. He'll be within three minutes of the, of the, of the winning time. I'm going to say sub 207 normally, but if it ends up being really slow for everybody, it'll be slow for him too. Jonathan. Um, like you said, betting against Kipchoge is stupid, so I'm not going to do that. Kipchoge for the win. Dude's the best ever. He's just a machine. So, uh, you know, I think it'd be cool to see Bikele challenge him or beat him, but, you know, he's the best ever. Hasn't showed really any sign. I guess you might argue he showed a sign of being vulnerable in Berlin. I don't know. He's still ran 2 or 3.32 there in not great conditions and won the race. So he's my pick. Mo Farah. Uh, I'm going to say 206.30. I think he breaks 207. Uh, like you said, I, I find it hard to believe he's not going to be better prepared. Not, I mean, and this isn't a knock on Salazar versus Gary Lowe. It's just more, um, you know, he's more, he doesn't have a track season that he has to go back to. You know, he knew, he's known for a while. This is what he's going to do. This is his main aim now is to be a marathoner. So, yeah, I think 206.30. I wouldn't be surprised by a little faster. Again, it's sort of dependent on the race dynamics. How fast does he go out? How you know that sort of thing. But that's uh, I think that's a fairly good number for him. Well then, if I'm doing these betting odds, Robert, did you come out with Kipchoge is only about sixty percent favorite? Correct. I wonder if I was doing that wrong because. Um. Yeah, I don't know. I'm surprised he's not actually more of a favorite. Seems like there's a lot of good value. Um, so it's almost, you know, I was thinking it wasn't, but it's almost even money on Kipchoge. So before I was thinking it was almost like t- two to one. Um, I mean, excuse me, one to two. But he should win. I'm really liking Bekele. Um I don't know. Real quick, what are the ages? Kipchoge, Bekele, and Rupp. Without thinking about it, Robert, I think, go. I think Kipchoge is thirty-six and, and Bekele is thirty-two. It's Rupp's thirty. 30. It's, no, uh, I thought Rupp's thirty-one. Isn't Kipchoge thirty-two and Bekele thirty-three? Kipchoge is thirty-three. No, Bekele's, Bekele's thirty-four, I think. And um, Bekele's thirty-five, about to turn thirty-six. It's interesting because Kipchoge to me looks older, you know. Um, wow, can I pick a guy that old to actually win the race? I think if you're a betting guy, I don't know. And I really need to analyze this a bit more. You know, I mean, put put some money on thirty three to one guys. Kipchoge's um, odds are sixty percent. Bikilis are fifteen percent. He's got. I mean, I think that. Well. So he's four times is in your mind, Walden is Kipchoge four times as li- more likely to win this race as Bahili. Um, it's funny I hadn't thought about him just sort of, you know, I don't know, he blows it up and some other guy wins it besides Adola or Toronto or. It's just it's just hard. That's why the marathons, you know, we 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 got to watch it. Um, I want someone to challenge him. I just would love to see. I guess we had it last year in Berlin. Just give him a challenge, and you know, why should we think he should lose? So, as of now, I'm picking Kipchoge. If I was betting, 
the odds are pretty good on some of these other guys. So I think if you know you're a betting man and you're you're, you're who's going to win? Yeah, well, I just say Kipchoge because most of the time he wins this race. But I'm very intrigued by Kinesi Bekele. Mo Farah, I think I really want him to go for it. I really hope he goes for it. I want him to see him try to run two two o four or better. Um, who cares? He can run two o six. That's not a good marathon in this type of race anymore. I'm sorry. It's just you know it's it's. it's it's not world class in London under normal conditions. Maybe with the weather, it is, but you know, in a time trial tight marathon, well, you got two hundred six get second last year. Two hundred five or better. Yeah, they blew up. That's a different thing. I just mean, what are you trying to do out there? Are you trying to sandbag and get two hundred six? Are you trying to like compete, go for the win, win the London marathon, establish yourself as a champion? I mean, what if Farrell like were to win this race? You guys well, have laughed. Still- at the- we saw it in London last. We saw it in Boston last week. If everybody blows up and you get to the finish line first, you're the winner. I mean, Sarah Sellers almost won the race. Won the Everyone race. says you're a hero, so you're right. Um, no, yeah, uh, that, that's right, a very but... interesting thing to think about. If Mo Fair does win this race somehow, oh my God, then, then the goat talk really does start. Yeah, no, I mean he can like totally change his legacy. Not that he's not one of the you know top great track runners of all time, but sort of the Kale. But well, then even, my take is he never went for a fast time in the half marathon. He never went for a fast time in the 10K. He never went for a fast time in the 5,000. Why do you expect him to go for a fast time in the marathon? He's not. All right. I wonder if that could help him. They go out and get cooked in the heat and mow far your 2018 Virgin Money London Marathon champion. I don't think it's going to happen, but people are selling him short. And I th- it sounds like Mo's attitude about this marathon is different. The first one sort of was just like, hey, let's get a nice paycheck. and sort of see what we can do. Um, you know, is he trying to, does he think he can run under 205 now? I hope so. And if that's the case, let's see it. Let's bring it. Let's see what happens. Let's see what it means to these guys. But there's eight guys who run under 205 in this field, not named Mo Farah. So it'll be tough. Um, we haven't even talked about Gaiadola, but Sean, what, what's, what's, the, what's the scoop on him? Well, my take, I talked to his coach in Boston, and it just seemed like the coach was, Gadefa was more tough, was more high on, on Tola, being more disciplined. He really seemed that like Adola was just a very efficient runner. I, it sounds like, you know, from a coaching standpoint, you know, John had this in this article, Adola was someone that really listens to his body. So if he's not feeling good, he just won't do the workout. So it's not really impressive for a coach. You know, coaches just love it when guys blast workouts and look incredible. I mean, I don't think this is a guy they, they thought was going to go run 203.47 in his debut. Um, last year in Berlin. So, um, but he's an interesting guy. I mean, the main thing they said is he's incredibly efficient, incredibly efficient. So he's made for the marathon, you know? Um, but yeah, I mean, this field is loaded, both the men and women. But you've got the most efficient marathoner of all time, Kinesa Bekele. So, I mean, excuse me, Elliot Kipchoge. So yeah, I shouldn't pick against him. I'm, I'm sticking with Kipchoge for now, but it's kind of crazy looking at this, uh, you know, the reason I said Bikili because I was looking at the top of just the list of entrants, and he's got the fastest PB. So don't forget it. If we get, you know, at some point, Father Time catches up and wins, and Bikili, you know, that may have already happened, but it sounds like he's healthy. If he could give the fans one final great run, oh, man, like Bikili versus Kipchoge all the way to the finish in London, please. Yeah. It'd be amazing, Please, but, let's but if he happen. doesn't and he drops out, I'm done with him. I'm tired of hearing about yeah, it. Yeah, I think that's it. Like, you know, it's like Dennis Cometo still running around and 
you know, making some coin off being the world record holder, but he hasn't finished a marathon, I think, a couple of years. So, I mean, um, Bikili was second in London last year. It's not as if he hasn't done anything, but I do agree. Yeah, it, you know, he, there, is, there has been a decent amount of talk. And, yeah, and third of the year know, before that, right? Yeah, no, and he, he and the year before that, he also so. ran 203 in Berlin. You know, I don't... Still, you know, I, I give him some more rope, but yeah, you know, he, with with how the optimistic he and Hermans have been this week, I, I do think, you know, uh, most people expect him, him to run well, and hopefully he does. And that's one of the things when we're talking about the goat debate. Bikili's bad races, the ones he doesn't even mention when he when you ask him about good marathons he's had, are significantly better than most fairs ever had in his life at the marathon. So that's why I don't think it's competitive at this point. So, anyways. We're going to wrap it up. Thank you, Jonathan. For Have fun for the rest of the weekend. And London, Weldon, thank you for joining us. Um, we apologize for those of you trying to call in that apparently we're not able to dial in and listen, but um, hopefully you can listen to it on tape delay via the podcast download. So thank you for joining. But for Let's Run.com, this is Robert Johnson signing off.